Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Homeroom Educating Educators. I am your host, Drew Misson, and my co-host, Kaylee, is here. Welcome, Kaylee. Hello, hello. It's been a long time since we've done this, Kaylee. It's been a really long time. My wife actually just commented on it. You haven't done that forever. It seems like it's been months. It has been months, and probably for good reason, because some big news has happened in your life. What's been going on? Oh, yeah, we're having a baby. Hey, there we go. Awesome news. We're having another one. Another one. And what does that bring the tribe to this time? How many? We're gonna have we're gonna have five. Five. That's that's a five. basketball that's a starting team for basketball. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Football team, something. <laughs> so while we're on that note of being pregnant and having that many kids, we're going to cover a topic of sexual education. So what is taught within government schools, what is um, taught within the private system, how we were taught about this and how we think it should be taught or how who should be responsible for it because it's a bit of a, a controversial topic at the moment with all the gender ideology and theory going around that it's not the basic sexual education that uh, our parents were taught or even what we were taught. It's kind of changed and evolved right. over time. That's true. It's definitely ever-changing and it seems like there's always an agenda behind it so it it really does um and we would have very different learnt experience i dare say because you have quite a a christian background growing up um yes let's start off with you since you're the one that's knocked up at the moment let's go with you for sexual education how did it start off with you how were you taught um well i have both sides so my birth mother was a stripper and my dad was is a pastor so um i lived with my mom until i was 11 and i was exposed to a lot of things i shouldn't have been at a very early age um but still just didn't really have any knowledge of anything um because i guess i was in fourth grade in public school before I left and moved in with my dad and I don't remember the school ever teaching us anything about that like I know that the kids I wasn't like I was in school with my peers they we all knew all about sex um from each other movies like Austin Powers was my favorite (laughs) movie at 11 years old and that is like parenting win right (laughs) so coming from that when I moved in with my dad at 11 and was homeschooled um by my pastor dad the sex ed then switched to don't 
Like, just don't. It was kind of like that Mean Girls clip where it's like, don't have sex, you'll die. Like, it was like that. But instead of die, it's like, you'll burn in hell forever. So, so. That's, the, that's the impression we get here in Australia. <laughs> so that's the very much the Christian abstinence <laughs> approach to to sex well, ed and sex in general for kids. There wasn't, it was always the risk. The risk of getting pregnant, the risk of STDs. Like, I remember my dad and stepmom taking me to a doctor appointment when they were first pushing the Gardasil vaccine, which is for um, ovarian cancer, I think. Yeah, that's that you get If you have an STD or whatever. Which that now gives and the boys, my, too. Yeah. And my dad said, nope, she knows the risk and what could happen if she has sex outside of marriage. And that was that was that that was the end of the discussion like we're not safeguarding you from the consequences of your choice and here are the consequences you could get pregnant you could get an std along with all of the emotional um turmoil that comes with having sex too early with the wrong person all of that and um i won't say that it was the the wrong approach um i wish there had been more knowledge on all of it uh periods puberty all of that because i kind of just felt like i was winging it through that entire phase of my life but i did wait until i was married to have sex and i and i never regretted that um and i think it did save me from a lot of heartache and god knows what else but um that has definitely impacted the way we approach it as parents between my husband and I. Yeah, interesting. Um, I think in, in my situation, it was I, I attended a public school and my family never really spoke about it at all. It was kind of like, you'll find out when you find out and you'll, you'll ask us questions if you've got questions type of approach from my parents. Um, but looking back, my parents are very open about talking about sexual stuff. They're very... Yeah, I wouldn't say they're over the top with it, but they're just a smart ass tone of Australians. Like the way you say things, <laughs> right. you, you infer things, but it, generally most of the time it goes over top of kids' heads. Right. Um, so I was in a way was exposed to that type of a conversation, but like you, I didn't really take it in and understand it. I predominantly learnt from my peers. So people I went right. to school with, we, they'd have older brothers or sisters. They'd know about it. Like you said, seeing stuff in movies mm-hmm. um i can always remember there'd be a sex scene that would pop up onto a movie while we're watching it as a family and my mum would say shut your close your eyes and i yeah. have to go like this um, yeah. <laughs> and then when it came to the way that the government implemented it when i was at school in australia it's it was all about reproduction health and so and puberty so when boys go through puberty they 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 start to to grow larger they get more muscle mass they get hair where there's not normally hair they have erections here put a condom on a banana that type of deal with girls that was showing you that you're going to go through menstrual cycles you're going to have a period um this is what you do to to make sure that that you're being clean and everything like that it was more so around the biology of sex the did they teach you guys all together or did they separate you? We were all together at that okay. point. So it was more so around the biology, the difference between boys and girls. And it was, I think back then it was pitched as a way that we're all together so that we could understand what the Each other side. sex is going through. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that was my experience, but. How old were you when they started? Oh God, I would have been in 11 or 12, I think would have been the time. Yeah. At the end of primary school. 
So end of elementary yeah. school for you guys. Um, but uh, like I said, I'd heard from friends and stuff much earlier about what sex was. I never understood right. it, but you, you right. talk about it as kids. So that's the funny thing. And I see it now as a teacher, kids, like little kids, like yeah, yeah. might be six or seven are talking about things Ooh. and you can tell they don't actually understand it at all, but they're saying it because they see it in TikTok or on YouTube, um, right. and their social media. It seems like the exposure to that is everywhere now. Whereas, like, you would maybe stumble upon an Austin Powers movie on cable when you were too young, but now it's constant. It's everywhere. It's a bombardment of sexualization. So it's kind of hard to avoid it as parents. Yeah, and um, it's it seems very tame when sexualization as a kid for us was seeing the way Britney Spears was suggestively dancing in her music videos. Right. And they used to actively yeah. take down music videos from television because they were too sexually suggestive. And now right. we've got people like Nicki Minaj out there just yeah. putting it out in the open everywhere. Literally. And kids are singing it. And that's scary. It's like, what all are kids being exposed to? It's almost the hypersexualization of society. We've progressively yes. been getting that way. It was the, the greatest generation of all time, supposedly, that those that fought during the war, they were very sexually repressed in a lot of ways. And then it was the boomer generation and the boomers had the free, um, the free love and the sex movement with drugs and rock and roll and all that type of stuff. Right. Um, but they themselves, they became quite reserved by the time they had kids and they kind of toned it down. But now we're seeing that tick up again where it's our generation and the people that are our age having kids. I think the kids are exposed to too much. This is my own personal belief and I can't speak to it from a from my employment side of things because I'd get in trouble for saying such things in this state. Mm-hmm. But personally, I think there's far too much that kids are being taught and they're being exposed to in general. Right. Yeah, I don't know... Um we aren't allowed to be super involved in the education of our kid that's in public school because of the way the custody agreement is. Um, But I know that they have pride month and things like that. And he is now in second grade. And that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Why that would be needed. No, it's, and this is the thing, this is where people really need to realize they're not public schools, they're government schools, because it doesn't really matter which which branch of government or party is in control. There's always going to be some kind of an agenda being pushed politically. Let's just say it's just a political agenda. When we said left-wing governments in, in power, they tend to push more progressive uh, government projects. So you think see things like Pride Week, you see things like... Um, uh, International Trans Awareness Day, all those types of things, which right. we were never exposed to as, as kids. We were just there for our education, air quotes. But now right. it's becoming more, more upfront, and there's no hiding it. Which I think they were a lot, a lot smarter and a lot more sly in the way they they push that type of stuff to us as kids. Right, I agree, and I also think it depends on where you are, like geographically. So. Our kid that's in public school is in Austin, which is super liberal, but I don't see that sort of thing being allowed in the more conservative parts of Texas. Um, We haven't seen any drag shows or anything like that. That's not to say it's not in the 
curriculum um as far as teaching them about sex with the same gender or i don't know what a curriculum like that would even look like nowadays like our like it used to be super easy black and white this is sex with male and female and now they have all the variations yeah. there's back so when many genders different... used to be binary right <laughs> back when it was easy two and two is four and only now not, it's only 90s kids will remember two genders right <laughs> age yourself <laughs> oh it's so that's why i'm so jealous of the american system because in australia we have a nationalized curriculum and victoria has its own but it's still very much the nationalized curriculum anyway so it doesn't matter where you are within a state or within the country you're all being delivered the same mandated curriculum and the government actively pushes down on schools who are found not to be taught found to be teaching those things they should be right so in america i'm so jealous that you have areas which can direct their educational purposes to the needs and the demographics of the region so people can shop people can shop around a little bit more right and i'm not sure if um they get that much of a say when it comes to curriculum depending on the different they call it like isd independent school district and it's like there's Austin ISD and then there's whatever. So I'm not sure how much they get to stay because you have the the basics of the Texas curriculum that everybody has to follow. And I'm not sure what falls under that in the category of sex education for public school, which is probably something I should know. Um, we are still fighting this legal battle for my right to homeschool my two kids um, so that's something that concerns me with you talking about six and seven year olds because my son is five and that like blows my mind because of how innocent he is. Um, he's still very much hot wheels and playing in the mud and let's find worms. And even our almost 12 year old, there is such a big difference between him and his peers, like his friends that go to public school, that we see in, I don't even want to call it maturity, because in a lot of ways, his peers are more immature than he is, but they seem more grown up in certain ways, like when it comes to talking about and what you've been exposed to and all of that, whereas our um, almost 12-year-old is still pretty innocent. Like, he still wants to just play video games like Among Us, and um, he's not big on YouTube, and he still likes to play outside, and he's still very much what I would consider, like, in our age when we were 10, 11, 12, he's more that than, like, the TikTok generation. Yeah, he's a traditional kid. Right. You know yeah, they call he's them, still they very call those much... Now, they call them outside kids. And kids actually <laughs> yeah. say, I'm not an outside kid, I'm an inside kid. Yeah, he's definitely an outside kid, for sure. Like, he's... He reminds me very much, like, with his hair and everything of, like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> He's very much got that vibe where he would rather be riding his bike than, you know, 
doing whatever these kids are doing nowadays. <laughs> so we're kind of alluding to a lot of what the the bigger picture stuff could be, but we'll we'll hold that off to the end because I think this next conversation should tie into it. So we've kind of discussed what we've gone through in our own education in regards to sex ed. It was mostly around biology and what each of our bodies do um, and how that was kind of taught within our own experiences. How do you see education, sex education being taught at the moment? Because I know you'd have, you'd have other mothers that you speak to. Do they ever speak about it or comment about the things that kids are being taught in regards to that? I don't see nearly as much in like the social media mom groups about the education dynamic at school as I do my daughter is sending nudes to her boyfriend at 12 years old what do I do or um just found out my 13 year old son has been watching porn what do I do um and I feel like my parents used to say as pastors I would hear them say this all the time if you think that it's too early to be talking to your kids about sex, you're too late because they are exposed to way more than you know, and chances are they're just not going to approach you about it. Like, I would have never gone to my mom and dad, the pastors, and been like, hey, let's chat about sex. Like, that was not on my agenda, but they would talk to me about it. Um, So I think, for the most part, what I see is just parents being clueless as to what the kids are exposed to, what they're being taught, what their expectations are. Because I think, like, we get frozen in our own memories of what school was like Mm -hmm. in childhood, that we just expect it to be the same. But it's a completely different world. So I think, like, they just don't have any idea of what's going on. Yeah, it's almost like they're waiting for the fire to start, but the house is already on fire. Right. You look at the way the world is now, the kids born now are the technology generation. They could have whatever they want at the click of a finger. If if they've got an iPad or they've got a computer in their room, a phone, they can access sexual content 24-7. And this is something we didn't have. And ads, advertisements, if they're playing a a little game, it's everywhere. Like we said at the start of this episode, it has saturated the market. It's in everything you see. It's so different from what we were exposed to as kids. I'm a little bit older than you. You're you're young and still. When I was a kid as a teenager, if you ever wanted to access, air quotes, porn, it would literally be a magazine from the truck stop (laughs) or the petrol station. And someone would hide a bag of it somewhere in the bush. And you'd come across a bag of porn somewhere. That's how weird it was back then. Now kids can do it in the comfort of their own home. They can hide themselves away and then they can do things in air quotes, what the left would say, explore their bodies. Whereas right. for people my generation, it felt bad and wrong to be going out and sneaking out to look and find these things. I think that was a big deterrent. So it almost created a sense of an unintentional abstinence and kept you quite innocent at that age. Whereas kids right. today, unintentionally they can find it. and if Or if they do want to find it, they don't have to look for no, they don't. So, and like with me, I feel like maybe it was a little bit easier because, like, you could be scrolling through the channels and come across like HBO, you know, those um, <laughs> channels. But then your parents knew what you had been watching. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was still that accountability to where you knew that if your parents wanted to know, they could easily find it. But now, 
I mean, you can just delete your search history or whatever. And kids are smart. Like, I feel like we don't give them enough credit as to what they can figure out. And, like, even with Spencer, like, searching Among Us, like, if you just search Among Us on Google, there is all sorts of weird stuff that pops up. So then you have to go through the extra steps as a parent of, like, putting in those parental controls and, like, what kind of content isn't allowed. And then still it sneaks through. So, and I think the more they see it, the more it's normalized and they don't even see it as being wrong. No, like, it's just the average just life for them, The isn't way it? the world is. And this is where it kind of creeps back into the schoolyard where you learn from your peers, right? Because you have some kids who are exposed to this type of stuff more than others. They naturally, as social creatures, human beings, they want to share that with their like-minded peers. So they go to school. And you end up in situations where it happens all the time in public and private schools. We're in a technological age where the internet and computers should be a wonderful educational and research device for kids. It should be perfect for them in their education. It should be self-driven. They should be able to search the things they need to for their learning, and that should be it. Unfortunately, you have kids within schools, even at a primary or elementary level, searching for inappropriate content on school computers. Wow. And all that does, it ends up in a blanket ban across the school and everything is limited to kids except Word documents, PowerPoints, basic search engines. And when you do try to search under, say, a Google or a Bing or whatever, majority of stuff you can't actually click onto because it's all blanket banned. Wow. So it's having a negative impact on what kids potential education right. could be. Right. And that that <laughs> is crazy because they're accessing that like on the school server, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So how secure can you make things as parents when the school can't even keep that stuff out? Yeah, and that's it. It's the knee-jerk reaction of um in order to keep it out, they absolutely cull everything and you've lost the abilities that you should naturally have. Um, it's a catch-22. You don't want kids to be exposed to that type of stuff, let alone at school. But at the same time, it's cutting off the potential for research purposes and education that they shouldn't be at the same time. Right. Yeah. The internet is such an amazing thing and it could be used for such... I mean, we have all of the information of the world at our fingertips and we play Candy Crush. Like Roblox, uh, all those types of games. Yep. We're literally at a point now where the nearly the entire history of humanity is on a single source, the internet. It's at the point where people could self-educate themselves in any field, like people used to do in the old days when they would seek out a master and you'd be the apprentice. You can do that yourself today, but we're still in the dynamic of needing to go to a, a university and a high school and getting your paper, your little piece of paper that goes up on a wall. The potential's there, but then at the same time, like you said, it's like Pandora's box. All the the dark, evil, shady stuff of the world's hidden away on the same wonderful device. Yeah, and it's all just a big distraction. Uh, My husband and I were talking about that um, because I think my age group is the first. Like, I remember the transition from flip phones to smartphones. Like, that happened all within my growing up years. Like, I remember having the flip phone, and then I never had a smartphone until I got married. My parents would not allow that. They were not doing it, which is good. Um, I'm on board with that again. Like, 
our 12 year old is not going to have a smartphone there's no need for that it's just too much temptation for someone who is not mentally developed enough to handle that even some adults should not (laughs) should not have it um so we were talking about how kids who went to school in the 90s 80s 70s 60s you can all sort of relate to the same experience and then you talk to someone who went to school 2010 and it's completely different from the 90s even though those two are closer than 90s 70s and it's crazy because of technology yeah it's you don't realize how much of an impact it's had in such a short period of time and how quickly right. technology has escalated yeah. so we've t- we've spoken about the the issues that kids just and the challenges kids face just in the world they live in compared to even what we grew up in now let's throw into that the way schools currently operate. And I'm speaking from my own experiences as teacher within Australia. Um, th- I'm thankful that teachers in Australia don't actually have to teach sexual education. That comes down to a school nurse. A school nurse will come in. Um, as programs run by the department, they'll come in and teach that. But I can tell you what I've observed firsthand and what I've seen in department policies, which... Once again, I'm not speaking as a person who's a department employee. I'm speaking as a individual of my uh, own beliefs and around this. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still very much the kids are taught by an adult, which is the nurse this time. They've gone away from having kids together for the most part, and they split them off. So when they have the period talk, they split the girls off. They don't expose the boys to that anymore, which is quite odd. How do they know who's a girl and who's a boy? (laughs) Well, this is what we get into. It's moved more away from the biological and the body changes type of thing. That's still taught. That's absolutely there. But they've moved into this gender ideology and what you can identify as um, and how there's a third gender now. You could be intersex uh, with all the other genders, 36 genders that are under the sun. Oh, my God. Now, this a lot of people would say that all oh, this is just the times they're changing. There are other genders. I can go along with that argument to a certain degree, but we're getting to the point now where they're teaching sexual gratification, and, and this isn't being overtly put down in policy or agendas from government levels, but we're seeing it in the resources that are coming out. A, a children's sexual education book came out recently in Australia that shows kids how to masturbate, how to engage in anal sex, why anal sex feels good. It's all about the hedonistic side of sexual life for someone that's so young who we really don't want engaging at that at such a, a an innocent age. Like it really right. it should be about the body, the changes and what could possibly happen, not how to do it. It's like giving them the how-to guide of the Kama Sutra. It's quite disgusting. It's really weird to me that any adult would want to teach that to a minor. Like, that's a red flag to me. Like, if you are comfortable talking about in the way it feels good and how to do it and all of those things to a minor, that's pretty ick. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example of a a question that a parent has asked me from another school. So their school nurse went in and dealt with this lesson and their their grade six, so the senior student son came home and said, Mom, you're a girl, right? She says, Of course I'm a girl. 
and I'm a boy, yeah? Of course you are. Why are you asking these questions? Oh, just the nurse at school had sex ed today and just talking about how there's people that can be other genders and it just doesn't seem right. And she said, what the fuck are they teaching you at school? And (laughs) that's when the follow-up phone call to me was, do schools actually teach this? And I've gone, well, depends on the person delivering it. Most likely, yes. Uh, yeah. And how much is necessary to know and at what age? Um, then you get into like the biblical standpoint of do not awaken love until mm-hmm. the time is ready and all of yeah, that. And, and this is the thing that I think a lot of people get trapped in who do have a, a, a sense of faith, but they're required to send their kids to public schools because for whatever reason, a a denominational school is outside of their their pay range and they can't send their kid there. They're kind of stuck with the public system and it doesn't really respect um, that side of things. You can opt your kids out for the moment. Usually I let them go home and you have the choice of opting your kid out or not, which is great for now, but I see that disappearing very quickly. Um, Right. A lot of people who consider themselves Christian, they know that sex without love is actually a sin. Sex for the sake of sex is... It's it's forbidden. It's not a good thing. And that's right. what they're teaching. They're teaching the side of sex for pleasure and sex is okay. Explore your body. So much so that in Germany at the moment, this was a, a little news article I saw today, that there's a kindergarten, so a like an early childhood daycare type scenario. The three-year-old room has a special room where kids can go in and explore themselves sexually. What could go wrong? Well, this just sounds like Weimar Germany from the 1920s. It's quite horrifying that we're going back to these things. That's insane. Because I have a four-year-old daughter and I would kill someone. Exactly. And the thing is, parents are very apathetic now to the education that their children are getting. We've spoken about this multiple times. But when it comes to something as sacred as a child's body and sexuality and and their innocence and their innocence and things that go with it because once it's gone it's gone yes and parents need to be on top of this yeah it's amazing to me how many people are just blissfully unaware like we are not living in boy meets world seventh heaven this is a completely different world it's crazy i can't imagine i can't imagine three-year-olds and then you, it's like, we well, how far does that... And people get called over the coals from the right side of things, calling people groomers now because, you know, you're just being hateful. But where's the line? If you're actively encouraging three-year-olds to do sexually explicit things to themselves or to each other, and you're the adult that's encouraging that, I would say that def- by definition, that makes you a pedophile and a groomer. Absolutely. Because there's no reason they need to even know about that. Not like at my all. My daughter just turned four and she is blissfully unaware of any of that as she should be. She plays with her pretend food and things like that. And it's appalling to me that we have allowed this as a society, as parents, as teachers. We have just stood by to the point where we are here now and how do you come back from that exactly and it's something that i encourage parents to do that don't just take a say in australia situation the school would generally give out a letter to say on this date your child is going to undertake uh, sexual education do you want your child to attend yes or no 
I think you need to push back as a, a parent and a school community a little bit harder than that. That it shouldn't just be a letter. Harder than no. Yes, it should be. What are the details in this? I want to see the curriculum about it. What's the lesson plan look like? Actually give to parents what you're giving to the students so they can make an informed choice. Because right. we're informed still informed consent. Yes. We're still in the mindset that, oh yeah, they're gonna go in and they're gonna learn about biology. Right. I learned about that and I was fine. But they go in and yeah. they get exposed to things or they come home with questions that you soon realize was very different from your learnt experience as a child. Yeah, um, we cannot just be blissfully unaware of what's happening in these schools where we send our children all the time. And I am, when you take away the accountability, when teachers and staff and the people who write the curriculum don't have to answer to anyone, it's a dangerous spot to be in. And more parents need to be upset in proactive ways. It's not enough to bitch and moan on Facebook about it. Like, you need to be about it. Like, if you say that you're mad, be mad. You need to make those phone calls. You need to show up at those places. You need to be at the meetings and talk to the principal. And it's not enough to just complain about it and wish it was different. I think the level of trust in the establishment and the the role of teachers in society is it's so high in certain areas, but then in other regards, it's, it's kind of dismissed. Um, like really, who can you trust your child besides yourself and your partner? You might, you might have a, a, a teacher at your child's school who, who you think is fantastic. They're really nice. They've been really great in your child's education. That that's fantastic, but you can never trust anyone outside of yourself 100% with your child. And that's a thing of no. mindset parents need to be in all the time. Well, and I, uh, my husband and I talk about this a lot because he is recently employed by a business when he has been self-employed for um, many years. And there's something we say a lot, like nobody cares about the financial stability of our family the way that you do. Like no employer is going to care. Like they could lay you off tomorrow and it wouldn't make a difference to them. Um, and we say that about our health. There is not a doctor alive that cares more about the health of my children than I do. And there's not a landlord around that cares about my family having shelter more than I do. And it's the same for teaching. Nobody cares about my child's spiritual, emotional, intellectual well-being and innocence more than I do. So as much as I like some teachers and I like some of the people we've had help babysit with our kids I will never trust you 100% because you don't care about my kids the way that I do well they're not your blood are they I think this is the this is a dangerous space we get into you hear it a lot in schools there's been a terminology change when they're referring to students they're not saying your child or your student they're saying our child our student like there's some kind of overlapping ownership which there's not no nope. they come to you for education and that's it you can care well, I think about that's your, multifaceted can, yeah it is you can care about your student absolutely you can care about their well-being and look out for them i think all good quality teachers do that but at the end mm-hmm. of the day it's not your kid you can advocate right. for students and uh, but you need to do that through the lens of being on board what the family's position on things are 
the vocabulary with that definitely matters because um they are intentionally making you let your guard down like all they care about my kid while also claiming that ownership Mm -hmm. so it's multifaceted like they're doing it for both reasons you lower your guard because oh they care about our kids while you are subconsciously sharing and parenting with the government cut that shit out (laughs) stop it god and now this kind of brings us into like i think a broader agenda of what we see in society that it's not so much just a change in um becoming more progressive in the way that we understand sex and gender and things just change with time it's I think it, from my own position, my own research, it's clearly a broader agenda happening where it's societal priming. They're priming kids at such a young age now so that certain things um, for them would be more palatable at an older age when they start to age out. So right. we're seeing from the UN, which the UN is on paper proposes to be the biggest advocate for children, the UN um, human rights initiative for children around the world. They have a right to an education. They have a right to feel safe, the fed watered, all that type of stuff, right? Looks great. But the UN at the same time also pushes that kids as young as eight can consent to sex and they should be allowed to engage in sex as long as they love the person. If I was to say the UN were, was proposing that type of um, documentation and processing in the 90s, I would have been called a schizophrenic nutbag. If I'd said that in the in the 80s, I probably would have been put in a nuthouse. So progressively over time, it's it's becoming more socially acceptable for these ideas to come to fruition from these big governing bodies and corporations and three-letter agencies because it's being primed at a local level within schools and people grow up with, oh, no, that's okay because I was taught that in school. They're, right. they're getting used to the idea before they actually realize what it is. And that's not just education. That's everything from movies to music to social media. Like it's all just slowly lowering that um, standard and what they have introduced and indoctrinated. Because um, like you were saying about Britney Spears, like Britney Spears was my favorite when I was little. And the most outrageous thing was like, hit me baby one more time. And now we have WAP. Mm-hmm. Like all the, like, so what is, what is happening and what is it going to look like 10 years from now? Like if that's what they're comfortable doing now, what's it going to look like 10 years from now? Well, exactly. As society I, just I, gets worse. Mm-hmm. I think what probably more in particular your generation was would have been taught in, in public schools and private schools has kind of led to the where we are now with the gender ideology. It's a, it's completely blown up. We've gone away from a binary system of genders, which humanity's had since we crawled out of the mud and the muck right. to having multiple genders now, um, which is quite concerning. Before we jump into that, I thought I'd ask you something as a parent, like I'm not a parent myself yet. Touch wood that happens very soon. Um Yes. But as a parent, with the way society's changed and the way people are open to certain things, would you be trusting enough to let your child have a sleepover at a friend's house and or have someone sleep over at your house? So we actually, um, we, my husband and I didn't have kids together first. 
So he has our oldest, and he's 12. And they had already set the precedent that he has certain friends that he gets in the night with. And um, that is not something that's on my comfort level. I, I don't, I don't like it. I have sexual abuse trauma in my past. And while they say that, like, that kind of thing happens mostly with people who are closest to you, um, I don't trust people like that. Like, I could probably get to that point with some of my friends that I have, and that is like a, like, I can think of two people outside of my family I would consider. And then, even if I trust you and your partner and your kids, who are you going to have in your house at the time my child is there? Because I can't tell you, you can't have people over. And then you get into the sibling dynamic, like, are there older brothers? Uh, Are the sisters going to be there? Like, that sort of thing. And it's a really hard fine line between my trauma and um, just the way society is. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, a lot of the things I was exposed to sexually as a child were at sleepovers with my peers. Um, And how much of innocence is lost in that. So I don't... I don't know. We allow Spencer to go to one friend that he can have sleepovers with. And I'm still not 100% comfortable with that. So when it comes to our only girl, like, I just don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know. You just have it makes to err- me really uneasy. You have to err on the side of caution, day, especially with your lived experiences. Mine, right. thankfully, I never was um, an abuse victim or anything like that. But what I was exposed to by <clears throat> peers at the time, say over sleep sleepover of like eight or ten boys, right? Right. That's the situation I was in at a sleepover, and I was exposed to things then and there that, like you said, reduced my innocence at the time. And I grew up very, very quickly because of that situation. I was exposed right. to things I shouldn't have known. Even at that if age. you aren't like it's not something traumatic it's still um i don't know i just don't think we should be putting our kids in situations where they're going to be exposed to things that we wouldn't be comfortable exposing them to so if i'm not gonna sit there and watch god knows what with my kid why would i put them in a situation where they're going to be surrounded by other little kids who are all giggling and laughing at something like that yeah um, it's, it's a situation that came up recently because uh, there was a um there was an article on twitter where a, a mother was saying that she feels like she's being ostracized because she won't allow her daughter to sleep over and have sleepovers at her house which i think is perfectly fine given the current situation in the world how many times do you see a story of a someone who's being caught or charged for pedophilia, a male or female, and it's the the people that closest to that person says, I would never have thought this person was that way. It's always right. the people you least suspect. It's not the creepy guy well, in a trench coat yeah. down at the bus station. We always expect it to be like, here, little kid, you want some candy? Hop in my mm-hmm. van. 
But that's never the way it is. And I tell my husband all the time, everyone has a clean background, background check, until they don't. And my kid is not going to be the, oh, we never would have guessed until they did this. Like, sorry, not worth it. And it really pains me to say that the older I get, the more I have turned into my dad. Because I remember sitting at the kitchen table crying, like, let me go to public school. Let me, I hate being homeschooled. I hate it. And now I'm like, there is no way I would let my kid go there. Not a chance. And I remember crying to my dad, why can't I go to sleepovers? I'm the only one that can't go. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You were right. He was right. It kills me to say it. And my inner 12-year-old is screaming like, no, you betrayed us. But he was right. (laughs) So. The old cruel to be kind analogy has never been better, has it? When you look back on what your parents' choices were, you hated them at the time. But then now as time goes on, you can reflect. It was actually in your own benefit. Yes. And like props to them because when they were homeschooling me and keeping me from sleepovers that was not a trend that was on the rise or popular or look at all these cool instagram reels because instagram wasn't invented yet like they were ostracized and they were the weird parents the controlling parents and they got told all sorts of stuff like she's gonna fly off the handle when she gets older i did um but not because of homeschool like that was more who i chose to marry and that whole situation um had nothing to do with them and more to do you know with myself and that but but they stuck with it like regardless of the pressure from me like put me in school please sobbing every night for like a year until I was finally like, fine, this is never going to happen. I'm just going to get over it. And then from their friends and even church members, like all of my youth group went to public school and they're like, they can all go to school together. It'll be fine. Like they'll look out for each other and keep each other accountable. Like you're being too harsh. You're being too strict. And they went and pushed back against everyone, everyone me their family like their parents who weren't really on board and they really paved the way for that so props to them for knowing (laughs) (laughs) so knowing so what do you say to like let's let's pretend you're in a situation where your daughter's got a really good close friend and they want to have sleepovers and you get pushed back from the parent like why won't you let them sleep over what what what's your response to that how do you tackle that why do you want my kid to sleep at your house so much? <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Very abrupt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, red flag. Um, You know, it would depend on how close I was to the parent and how comfortable I was sharing my stories. Yeah. Do you, like, do you give different options, though? Do you say, oh, let's arrange some play dates, like, during the day, and then they get picked up, or let's go to a park together? Do you give alternatives? You know, I don't even know if that is any better, because there were some situations where I was dropped off at people's house, and stuff just happens. So, I mean, part of it would be her age, I guess, and knowing 
how mature she is and what uh, her maturity level is and all of that. And it would depend on the other parent because, man, I don't know. You are more than welcome to drop your kid off here if you would like. But I think for, as for me, I think as for way, me in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I think the way the world is, you almost have to go that hypervigilant, let's go to the park with the kids and we'll sit down, we'll have a coffee together while the kids go off and play. Um, I'll yeah. come to your house and we'll sit down in the, the coffee, in the, the lounge room, we'll have a coffee and have a chat while the kids go off and play. I think you need to be very present not just for your kids' own protection, but I think as a male um, in this generation that the way the Me Too movement was pushed. Right. I don't think as a male you can allow other kids to come into your house without the risk of accusations happening. That's very, that is also very true. Because, and not even like for my husband, but for my other boys. Absolutely. And there is just... There's, there's too, like, <laughs> I'm going to quote my dad, there's too much that could go wrong for a night of you watching movies and having fun. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Like, there's just, there's too much risk, not enough reward for that. Like, no, hard no. So are there other alternatives like, say, um, siblings playing with cousins, that type of a thing, like going to, like your kids going to your siblings' houses if you, if you had them? Possibly. So even so, that, even that's a, a something you have to question depending on what the partner is. If your brother right. or your sister's right. has a partner that you may not necessarily trust or have your concerns about. Yeah, and my parents, um, we've we've recently started rebuilding our relationship because it was really really rocky after I got married um and my ex-husband was you know emotionally abusive and kept me away from them as much as he could because that's what abusive people do um so we're rebuilding that relationship they are pastors and they live on church premises and for me like even leaving them with my parents would be like, well, who's going to be in and out of the church? Who's going to come in for counseling? Who's bringing them? Like all of those different factors. It, it all matters. My sister is married. I don't know her husband very well because I haven't really been in the loop. Um, I trust my sister. I love her. I know she would never, ever let anything happen to my kids. I don't know you. Sorry. Super sorry. Yeah, we're not, not the, the we're not the close knit little communities that we used to be, where you'd have a farmstead and you'd have the original farmstead house you were raised in, then you'd build a house on that same property and you'd have that close knit right. trust and bond there. Now it's people that live a city away, an hour away. You only see them maybe on their fa- occasional family gathering, like a a Christmas or a Thanksgiving. Right. We don't have the relationships with our own family that we that we used to, so it's. It's a minefield, absolutely. It takes a long time to get to know somebody, and even then, they can surprise you. Absolutely, they can. Absolutely. So, like, one of my close friends, she married someone, um, and her dad runs an organization for at-risk boys, where the parents drop them off, and it's like boot camp, and they work on the farm, 
and he's a pastor and he will guide them and teach them and be the dad that they didn't have. And she married this guy that came into their program and she had known him for years, years. They're trying to have a baby and she got a knock on the door. He wouldn't answer it. She had just gotten out of the shower, wrapped in a towel, answered it. And it's the FBI. And home dude was looking at child pornography. Had a secret phone she didn't know about. They took laptops she didn't know about. And he was distributing and watching child pornography. And she thought she knew him. Her dad thought he knew him. So it's it's more than just the here and now and what we see and what we think we know of someone it's all of everybody has a clean background until they don't yeah i think and i think every community or everyone you speak to has a similar story to that like in my community it was there was a a very well-known paramedic that was very big with the basketball association here he would run little clinics with um kids who showed promise in squad basketball so that next level up to go to state and like country level basketball turns out he was a pedophile and there were Kids he used to coach, air quotes, that later committed suicide later in life. And we'd have the doubt of were they fiddled with? Did things right. happen to them in those coaching situations? You don't know. End of the day, you can only trust yourself, your partner, uh, to care for your kids, really. And that's the advice you have to give people. Right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Let's <laughs> let's move on to that. that the, uh, the gender ideology change. So the social priming that happened while we were still in our youth and things that were taught to us through media, social media, um, television, films, culture, everything has kind of led up to this point where we've had an explosion in the understanding of what it is to be human. There's no longer a binary gender system or sexes. In my day, it was just sexes. There wasn't really a term gender at all. Um, Remember the term, uh, the game Battle of the Sexes? Yes, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and now now they're just pushing this gender terminology around, which you only really ever saw on medical documents, which is strange. Um, and now there's multiple genders. For a short little period, there was intersex. So people who were either very rarely born with both bits, which there's that's a genetic reason, that, and then people get surgeries for that. That's fine. But right. they've applied it to a psychological view that you can self-determine your gender just by willing to be something else. And now we've got the outlandish idea of 36 different genders. So what the hell's happening there? What's your take on it? So the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that they are trying to strip away anything that makes us human. Um, All of our individualness um, to make us all the same. Um, with no real personalities, beliefs, anything that could make us different and thus make us a threat to their power. They're just trying to chip away at that bit by bit. And um, it's kind of bleak, but that's just my thought on it. Like they want the beige robots, (laughs) you know, just little worker bees. My conspiracy mind would say you're 100% on the money. But even if we step back from that a little bit, which is hard to because we know what, how deep that's going, you look at it as a, if you're looking at it as just a means of hypersexualizing to the next degree, it's like a hedonistic response to society because you can be biologically male but identify as female and not have to get surgery 
and then be a lesbian and still have sex with women. There's a lot right. of really strange splitting the, of like hairs. The mental gymnastics of it. Yes, the mental gymnastics of trying to move around and navigate the idea that you're still a And you can't question women. any of it. Oh, no, because you're you a bigot. Are... Yeah. And we even moved away from a, an idea of drag queens used to be considered adult entertainment. Oh, my God. And... Like Australia's well known for Priscilla Queen of the Desert, that film about a couple of three trans, uh, three, uh, a transgender man and two drag queens, which go around and perform shows. Like that's what people, the mainstream person knows it as. It was like cocktail shows and with female right. impersonators was what they used to be called. It was all about entertainment. People didn't have an issue with it until they decided they need to expose it to kids. Right. But it's exposed to kids under the guise of it's, it's inclusive for gender diverse children and children who are identifying as intersex. And I'm wondering if they are pushing this on children so much so that it takes away any any magic of it, right? Like used to be sweet 16 and never been kissed and it was like the magic of it. And I'm wondering if they're chipping away at that so more people are asexual. To where they just don't even have an interest because it's just always been there and it's just like that piece of furniture that you don't even think about because it's just always there. And so you're like, uh, you don't even notice it. Yeah. And I wonder if that's like a um, population control tactic. I, I think you might be right because the the data from pediatricians in Australia at the moment is that for high school students, year age from year seven through to year twelve, so graduation, thirty percent of Australian kids identify as non-binary. That is yeah. a massive explosion in that over a short period of time. Whereas, and, uh, like our generations, I say our generations because I group myself in with older folks, but like Beastie Boys, girls, 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 yes. and like all the things, and it was like this really special chase to like. The thrill can, of it. Yeah, I can actually remember the first time I ever saw someone who was what you'd consider, say, transgender or a cross-dresser, anything along those lines of a, a blurred, confused gender ideology. I was in like a year seven camp to Melbourne. So I'm in a regional area. We went to Melbourne, the capital city for the day, and I saw one and I was I was so confused as to why this, obviously a man with large hands, big knuckles, huge Adam's apple, broad shoulders... Right. was all doled up walking around the city pretending to be a woman. And I don't, living in Texas, super conservative, I don't remember ever seeing that. Like, my first memory of any of this was when they were fighting to have um, gay marriage legalized. And that seems like forever ago. And the slippery slope that we have just taken. Mm-hmm. Since we just plummeted. And that was the argument at the time from the no vote. And we had that insane thing in Australia about gay marriage being recognized. And the argument, which was as short as I think it was what 15 years ago now, was it's going to open the door for other things to come in that are less scrupulous, uh, less than scrupulous for society in general and societal cohesion. Where there was a slippery slope, gay marriage, then what? And we're starting you to promised. see that. We're starting to see it wouldn't happen exactly, (laughs) and we're seeing it happen. Like, yeah, yep, yeah, and it's just been 
I mean, you can go back and look at I Love Lucy, where on TV they didn't share the bed. Mm-hmm. They had separate beds to remain wholesome. Um, she wasn't allowed to show off her baby bump or talk. She wasn't allowed to say the word pregnant because it was inappropriate. And now we have 16 and pregnant. And it's all done through the the idea that we're more progressive now. We're more accepting and it's okay. So because we're more accepting, it's natural for more children to come out as non-binary or transgender. I don't believe that's the case because the argument... I don't believe that either. The argument for them is that we have to acknowledge and accept these kids for who they are, otherwise they'll commit suicide. If that was true, like if that was true, would there not be a track history of high rates of suicide amongst teenagers and children? Or higher rates of suicide in children and teens when we were bullying them for being gay. That's in what I mean, yeah. Like, when, when we're less accepting, we should have still seen that upward tick and trend of kids committing right. suicide. But it wasn't but the there. It's the opposite. Now there's more suicides because of it. Right. And that's a little thing people don't like to acknowledge or talk about. And they they like to say, like, gay people have always existed. It's always been this way. They were just closeted and shamed. And I don't know that I believe that either. No. And are you seeing I, that? You're seeing the pushback now from even the gay community that kids who would be normally identifying as, as gay or lesbian, they're being pushed into being other genders because it's right. the new fad. It's the, it's the thing of the week that people are doing. Right. Yeah. It's not enough to just be gay. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's like this... it's. And the idea yeah. of gender affirming care. When was it? care to put kids on puberty blockers that ruins their body for the rest of their lives and makes them a a lifetime um, customer of big pharmaceuticals and to physically lop off parts of their bodies. How is that care? You can affirm some, you can affirm someone's gender air quotes without having to go down the medical route. Right. And then they try to sneak that behind parents to where now we don't even have to talk to parents about it. Which brings us to me and brings it to what has happened in my state. And this is just me reporting the facts of it, which anyone can look up. There's a safe schools program and a respectful relationships program, both mandated by the state in Victorian curriculum that parents don't have to be informed of a student who has identified as an opposite gender So let's say little Jimmy comes to a teacher and says, I feel like I'm supposed to be a Janine. My parents won't help me. Can you help me? Well, the school then keeps it a secret, affirms that child's name as being Janine, changes all their documentation within the school without the parents' notice. So much so that there's a little story going around now where a school nurse was doing it in sick bay, putting in notes for the child who's hurt themselves at school and had a big red flag on it. Do not confirm this child's gender to the parents when you call. So these secrets are actively being held by governments and teachers because of coercion by government mandates against parents. And the argument they're going to give is that little Jimmy's going to go home and because you've told their parents that he identifies as Janine, he's going to be abused and beaten for it. That's not the case most of the time. That's a very extreme outlier example that they're trying to give. What's well, wrong like with them? They use the extremes yeah, as. Well, exactly. But what's wrong with the parents sitting down with their child and go, Let, Jimmy, let's find out what's going on with you. Why are you feeling this way? Why do you think that you're meant to be a girl? And actually getting to the bottom of, of things through, you know, conversations. 
but well, instead they squirrel it away. The push for pick one, like when I was little, I was a tomboy. I I would tell everyone like if they would ask what's your favorite color, my favorite color was John Deere green, and I would wear overalls and I was constantly in the dirt. I would have frogs in my pockets. Um, I was a tomboy. Like I liked to ride my bike super fast, super dangerous, but I also liked playing with Barbies and playing with baby dolls and putting on makeup. And thankfully I didn't grow up in a generation where they would have forced me or even put the thought in my head that I wasn't a girl because it never occurred to me that I wasn't a girl. I was just a girl who liked doing boy, boy stuff. Like if yeah. you could even say it was boy stuff. Um, I just liked to play in the dirt. I just liked to catch frogs like that. But today, you girl, yeah. today you'd probably be picked up by your classroom teacher or say a school psychologist and you'd be flagged as a child who's questioning, right. which is ridiculous. Um, they even put that idea in the mind of a child. Exactly right. And- instead of just letting them figure it out as they go. And if they reach 18 and they're like, you know what? I am a boy. Then they can cross that bridge as an independent adult with their own thoughts and feelings and then the consequences are on them as well. Right. And having gone through enough life experiences to know the difference, you know? Yeah, it's it's actually quite damaging. You look at the the science of what's going on behind all of this. It was actually proposed by a man who's a renowned pedophile, but that never gets brought up. And so much to the point now, if they put young boys particularly on puberty blockers at such an early age, their their undercarriage, their body parts, their penis, let's use the terminology because it's sex ed, it never grows to a point where it becomes viable for a um a vaginoplasty to create a vagina. It's too small. So they actively have to use control. they actively have to use a part of the colon which has a high rate of them dying from infection because of it. Oh, my God. And because they've been put on puberty blockers at such a young age, they may have an air quotes functioning vagina, but they'll never actually ever be able to experience sexual pleasure. So it kind of becomes and, counterintuitive to what the and whole And then idea you're making is, someone right? asexual. A- asexual, which is a essentially they're going to become a fuck toy for weirdos. Right. Yeah. Oh, anyway, this uh, is the dark side of things that we've kind of bottomed out on, but I think you see it a lot more at the moment overtly in America. I think a lot of your liberal states are so emboldened by it. You always hear stories about the kindergarten teacher or the elementary teacher presenting to their class that they have transitioned or they are Z as M, and they're really being open with it. Can you imagine if a straight young male teacher walked into the classroom and told the class how much pussy pounded on the weekend? They'd lose their exactly. job instantly. So why exactly. are we accepting Well, it from I mean, maybe, maybe they would now. I remember being in school and I, like, I didn't know much about my teacher's personal life at all. Nor should I you. Knew his, you I might knew know they're married. married. Yeah. Like, he had a picture of his family on his desk. And I know that he went to U of M and he had a dog. That's that. I don't remember his sexual preferences. Don't remember. You might know that they play football. You might know they play soccer. Like something, you know, something about them hobby wise, maybe, but you don't maybe. know the ins and outs of what happens in the bedroom. No, it's weird. It's weird. 
that you want to share that much about yourself with children get a friend get a therapist <laughs> like if you need to talk about it that much start a podcast I think that is not for children it's definitely not for children well, I think we've got to the bottom of this that there is a broader agenda at play and at the end of the day you need to be more informed about what your children are being exposed to in school, whether that's private, public, if you're homeschooling. Yet again, I can't reiterate how much of a better position you're in because you have a greater control of what education and ideas your child's being exposed to. But to close the show out, Kaylee, what's your advice for families in regards to sexual education? I think it's the same thing as it always is. Be more involved in their education in any way you can. Um, show up at the meetings, make a fuss, make your voice heard. Be that, be the Karen. You know, they've demonized the angry woman who has opinions and wants to speak to a manager. Go speak to the manager. Like, fuck them. It's your kid. You are in control. Don't let anybody feel like they have more control over your child than you do. Doctors, teachers, principals, coaches. No, you created that child. You, you're the boss. Your Amen. mama, your daddy, period. Yeah, um, I think I think if it's yeah. if it's just about education, I think it's important that to teach the biology of things and how your child's going to change as they go through puberty. That's really important because right. it's a really confusing time for kids. But at the same time, you have to try and limit the social contagion that your kid's being exposed to. And this is going to be right. me sounding like a 35-year-old boomer, but <laughs> I don't think technology should be around kids in the way it currently is. And if it is, it has no. to be heavily, heavily monitored with set right. times. Yep. Child locks, the whole kit. Public computer. areas only. Like yeah, you, you have on your iPad on the living room couch. Mm -hmm. You have to be a complete Nazi closed. with it. You've got right. to be. It's 100%. too much. And if you feel like, am I, is my child ready to talk about sex relationships? You're, you're too late because it's, it's time. They're exposed to more than you think they are. Um, and create that environment where they feel comfortable coming to you where they can ask you things and just answer questions as age appropriately as you can. Um, my five-year-old, out of all of our kids, my five-year-old has the most questions about the baby. Um, and he asked me, mom, are you going to throw that baby up or are you going to poop it out? And <laughs> we had to have a conversation because we're having a home birth. So I had to have the conversation. Babies come out of vaginas and that was that. He was happy with that answer. That and proves so, the innocence of it, though, doesn't it? Like, how right. much innocence kids actually have. Yeah, he's five. Are you gonna... Like, he doesn't... He doesn't know. I mean, like, logically, he knows that he can throw up or he can poop. So, how are you getting that baby out of your belly? Because those are the only two things that make sense to his mind. And... um Maybe I would have answered the question differently if we were having a home birth, but there's a good chance that he'll be around and, you know, we're not going to hide that from them. So I think birth is a natural part of life and what better way to learn about that than kind of experiencing it, taking away some of that fear of birth as well. So, And there we go. It comes back to basic biology. 
which apparently is going out the window these days in education. Too much to ask for. That's it. Too simple. (laughs) All right, Kaylee, this has been a great episode. Um, We'll have to do it again on a much more regular basis. I know that you're ready to drop at any moment now, but hopefully we can make Oh, no. We still have 20 weeks. I'm 21 weeks, and I'm finally feeling okay. Oh, God, I was way off. That's awesome. Okay, well, anyway, now that you're feeling a little bit better, let's try and make this at least a monthly thing. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds good. All right, everybody, you have a fantastic day.